All right, let's talk. So I went ham on the new tech recently. And uh, yeah, I think I spent enough dough that uh, Tim Cook can go uh, get a short NetJets flight um, because of it. Personal money, by the way, I'm very frugal on a company level, but I spend like all my time working. So I want to have the best tools. And also if you're developing uh, new technology and cutting edge technology, you, you basically want to be at the state of the art so you can see what people are using, what directions things are going. And we have uh, integrations. Uh, some of them are already online. Some of them are coming online for this stuff. So I got a new Mac. I got a new iPhone, new Apple Watch, new Oura Ring, Levels Continuous Glucose Monitor. I applied for it. You have to talk to a doctor before they even give you one. So we'll see if that goes through. Um, and like a bazillion cores and chargers and stuff, which is not at all the most important part of the equation, but actually might have the highest ROI on it because they're actually relatively cheap. But we're going to talk about that in a second. So before I get into this, I, I think I'm pretty good at setting up computers and devices and such for performance and productivity. Um, I'm kind of in the space, read a lot of research papers on it, test a lot of stuff. I'm a geek about it. I like this stuff. And I've tried all sorts of stuff over the last decade plus um, in this area. And I think I'm pretty good at it. But I want to give a couple caveats before we do that. First one is that all advice is contextual, right? So some of the things I'm going to say will certainly apply to how I do things, but might not apply to how, how you do things. That's pretty obvious. But the second thing that's just as important is all advice is autobiographical. And I, I think that's really important to keep in mind. Right? Because a lot of times there's like conflicting advice out in the world. And uh, whenever somebody gives advice and they share their thoughts on a topic, it's, it's usually about something that worked for them or something that like went bad for them. But that doesn't mean it's the same for you. Right? Everybody's in different life circumstances. Right? So, you know, in my case, uh, you know, in my mid-30s at this point, uh, I'm going to be 36 uh, in, a, in a few months. Um, you know, I can afford to go gear up on tech and I, I get a lot of leverage out of it. But, you know, there might be other times in your life where you're better just like saving money. I went through hyper, hyper frugal phases. I mean, there were times in my 20s that I would, you know, if I didn't need to be presentable, that I would be kind of going about the world wearing the clothes that I was wearing until they would turn into rags. I was like super frugal. So you can kind of oscillate between modes. Um, I don't think spending a bunch of money makes you productive. I think it's kind of maybe one of the later things to optimize, not the first thing. Um, so I, I don't think you need to do that. But sooner or later, all of us will upgrade our hardware. And uh, whenever you do so, I think that's a great opportunity to look into how you do things um, and to make some improvements. And it'll, of course, depend what field you're in and what your work is and how much you work and, and what context those happen. And obviously with COVID, a lot of us are working from home. Um, so that's different than if you have an office setting or whatever, and you can, you can do some different things. So bear that in mind. You know, bear in mind that this is, I think, generally sound advice for people that are busy um, and have a lot of performance stuff going on and, and maybe who are a little bit established already, because I think there's uh, also a lot of virtue um, in, in, in saving money. If you're young, um, like, you know, like, like getting, getting the fanciest sneakers doesn't turn you into a, a track star or Michael Jordan or whatever. Right. So bear that in mind. Depends on where you're at in life. All right. As well as all sorts of various contexts. So, you know, keep a, keep a critical ear out as you listen. But the first thing that I'm going to do, and I'm really, really, really excited for this is I'm going to go on something I've done a few times in my life. And every time I do, it works like magic and then it stops working. We'll talk about why but I'm gonna get on a work computer play computer setup, right? So I got my old Mac here. Um, this one did not last me as long as I wanted it to. This one, actually there's like a problem. When I first got this one, it would overheat a little bit early. Apple, it happened to a few of these models and there was like a software patch on it and then stopped, but then the battery started dying and a bunch of things is crashing and stuff. So like, that's kind of a bummer. I'm still with Apple, kind of annoyed by that, but still with Apple, got a new Mac. This computer is still fine. For, for, for most things, it's just not as, uh, it's just not getting the job done. It's not, not, not viable to work at a cafe or do certain types of high leverage work on anymore. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna turn this old computer, not that old, but 
old enough that it's not working correctly anymore. I'm going to make this into a play computer. So I can surf the internet on it. I can stream a basketball game on it. I can uh, you know, watch a movie on it. I can surf the net on it. I can hang out on Reddit on it. It's going to be relatively unrestricted. The restriction on place is like what hours that I do it and when and whatever. But I can do whatever the heck I want on this computer. I can have as much fun as I like. And on my new computer, I'm going to only do work stuff. I'm going to set up the apps so it's all very work focused and such like that. And I'm going to do my very darndest to not do anything. Miscellaneous internet, even like quasi related things, like kind of researching things. Be very, very careful. And I'm not going to use that other computer for anything other than work. I believe I originally got this idea. I'm pretty sure that I originally got this idea from a Paul Graham essay um, called, uh, the link is just forward slash distraction dot html right um distraction essay so disconnecting distraction was the name of the essay may 2008 and uh yeah he described how he would use uh, one computer for work that was largely not connected to the internet except for brief bursts when he needed to you know upload code the world's very very different 13 years ago in terms of how people did development and things like that. You could really be offline most of the time and, and then connect sporadically. And then you have another computer that could use as much as he wanted on the internet. And here's how he described it. He said, I remember when computers were, for me, at least exclusively for work, or for me at least, exclusively for work. I might occasionally dial up a server to get mail or FTP files, but most of the time I was offline. All I could do was write and program. Now, I feel as if somebody snuck a television onto my desk. Terribly addictive things are just a click away. Run to an obstacle in what you're working on? Hmm, I wonder what's new online. Better check. And we've all had that experience, right? So we use our computers, Sebastian talking, we, we use our computers for a lot of things, including recreation and leisure. And like, hey, before we put it down, there's some incredible stuff on the internet. I, I just watched um, an amazing recording of a, of, of a podcast with like a neuroscientist going through all kinds of neuroscience and, and biochemistry concepts. And it was like incredible. I'm like, wow, I feel so fortunate that I can just watch this for free. It's awesome. Um, so that's good. Then we do some stuff that's like, okay. We do some stuff that's a dubious usage of time. And uh, it's all in the same space, the same device, whatever, right? Uh, and, you know, he said like, it's kind of like somebody snuck a TV into my workspace. I feel like that's, I feel like that's pretty accurate. I feel like, I feel like, you know, like you're ever in an airport and you're trying to focus on something and they like have like loud CNN on or something. And like, I, I don't watch the news very often unless there's a specific reason to. It's like oh, a plane crash today. And you just like look up at it. You start watching it, right? Or, you know, if you're ever at like a sports bar and there's like eight games on, right? You, you know, even if you're like not into any of the teams, if you're having some food with somebody, like there'll be like some amazing play on in the background. Your eyes will just drift to it. Um, it's just kind of how these things work. So... You know, we're all constantly in a airport with CNN up loudly slash sports bar with all this stuff going on all the time. And what do we do about that? And so Graham said, my rule is that I can spend as much time online as I want as long as I do it on that computer. He means the non-work computer that can be always online. And that turns out to be enough. When I have to sit on the other side of the room to check email or browse the web, I become much more aware of it, sufficiently aware, in my case at least, that it's hard to spend more than about an hour a day online. Like, okay, that's awesome. Cool. Let me give this a try. You got to work computer, play computer. So I did, and it was great. And it worked really well. And I could do whatever I want to play computer. I could play video games. I could surf the net. I could do anything that I wanted. And I'd only work on my work computer. I 
often need to work computer connected to the internet, but that's okay. I only did work on there. Sometimes I would uh, take the browser out of the little toolbar at the bottom. Um, I might have even been on Windows back then. But uh, on a Mac, that would be like taking the browser out of the toolbar. So I got to like open up the browser and then like closing the browser every time I use it. Got to be a little tiny bit disciplined about it if you want to just like not have muscle memory of going wherever. Um, can also use an app like Self Control. Um, it's a Mac app. I haven't used the Windows equivalent. I hear Cold Turkey is pretty good. You can block specific websites. So I can aggressively go in and block Twitter, Reddit, Hacker News, maybe YouTube even, right, etc. And then those sites are completely inaccessible. You can get around it if you really want to, but it creates enough friction. But if I type TWI, hit enter, it doesn't just auto-complete to Twitter and I'm there, right? So I did that setup, it worked, and it worked great until it stopped working. The very thing at the top of that essay by Paul Graham says this in italics, it's kind of like a sad, sad uh, prologue slash epilogue to this otherwise wonderful essay where he says, note, the strategy described at the end of this essay didn't work. It would work for a while, and then I'd gradually find myself using the internet on my work computer. I'm trying other strategies now, but I think this time I'll wait until I'm sure they work before writing about them. Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, and that was my experience too, but I gave the, 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 the thing that Paul Graham described as strategy. Um, I gave it a try. Um, and I more or less do this every single time I get a new computer and it works like gold for about a month, <laughs> similar to him, about a month of hyper-focus. I feel like I get like three months of enhanced performance out of this, um, a little tiny bit, some of the habits carry over, and then within six months, I'll just back to baseline, regression of the mean. But if you upgrade your hardware every two years, that's 25% of your time that you're getting some bonus in and, you know, something like 5% of your time that you're, 4-5% of your time that you're getting, like, superpowers. So, like, I'll take it. Why not? I'll take it. And I think this is interesting, right? I think this is interesting because I think there's, like, a few few principles at play here. Um, the first one is context, right? So, like, why do people go to the library to study even if some other place near them is quiet? It's like, well, because what do you do in the library you study? You don't go to the library to, like, screw around playing video games on your phone or something. It's just not what people go to libraries to do. So students go to library to study because like that's what you do in a library. And then because they only study when they go to the library, they'll just walk in. And as they're walking to the library, they'll be like making a little plan. Okay, the first thing I'll do is I'll open this book, then I'll review that and whatever, right? So this is obvious. This is not a really like a super profound insight, but we all think about contexts in terms of, of physical space, right? And, you know, this is the reason that, you know, hotels have certain types of decor depending on if it's trying to be a resort hotel or a luxury hotel or business hotel this is the reason that um, you know bars and nightclubs and restaurants will decorate themselves certain ways and things like that is is you walk in and it's like a familiar context right so like a dive bar has like a different context than like a nice like a high-end lounge and you see people will talk a different level act different ways some people go to both types of places but it, you'll just be like oh i know what to do here this is like the decorum that's expected right so we don't have that with our computers and offices can help with this a little bit, but right now many people don't have offices because of COVID. So we don't have like a context. So I think that you can kind of create that with first off a work computer and a play computer. The problem is there's a lot of activities that are really borderline. Um, a lot of borderline activities that are like kind of work. Like being in your email is like work, right? But it's also like, you can also go on your email to procrastinate, right? Like going to Wikipedia to like look something up that's relevant, especially if you're, you're writing. I used to be a, a pretty active writer. That's like work. 
right? But then it's like, oh, the Battle of Hastings. Huh, I've heard about that, but I don't know what it is. Let me, okay, now you're not working. Now you're wiki walking. You're surfing Wikipedia. So it, it's difficult because there's not, not really clear or clean divides. Um, the work computer play computer will get you there for a while. In my case, it does. It's like, it's like remarkably similar to how Graham described it. Um, it does decay, right? Um, nevertheless, I think there's something like a skill or a mental pattern of having explored a different context. So I think doing a work computer play computer setup, even if, only like, even if you're only rigorous on it for like a month before it kind of falls apart a little bit, um, I think it gets you better at spotting and realizing how you operate in different contexts. And as you get more reps on that, you can be like, okay, this is the cafe that I go to to do brainstorming. And I only go there when I'm doing like brainstorming and thinking and I've got like the right ambience of music and the right strong coffee and it's just right. Like I remember this one cafe when I lived in Beijing many, many years ago. It was like super cool. It was actually one of my favorite cafes in Beijing. It had this like weird space theme. It was like hyper modern. Everything was like, like metal and like brushed black obsidian looking stuff. And it played like really space ambient upscale, but space ambient like lounge electronic music and stuff, great coffee and like kind of like weird, cool earthware mugs. I love the place, but I, I, I made a smart call to be like, I'm only going here when I want to sit down with a notebook and think about ideas. Cause there's like a lot of interesting things to look at. Like I could sit there for hours. The place was just really interesting. And I only went there with a notebook. I wouldn't bring computers there. Um, smartphones were a little bit less addictive back then. Um, so I could bring a phone, but there wasn't much to do on the phone. Um, and uh, I could just sit and think. And if I wanted to stare off in space for 40 minutes, that was cool. Didn't really bustle too much. It's a little bit it was expensive for Beijing, but it wasn't too expensive. Um, wasn't too busy at the times of day that I would go. It's more happening in the evening, but I would usually go in the afternoon. And uh, I would sit and think. And then I had like a standard cafe that I would just go work and jam at. And they had some good food and a little cheaper. And, you know, they had power outlets and I'd plug in. And I, I created these different contexts. And it, and it worked like a charm. I, just did that the whole time I lived in that neighborhood um, in Beijing. It worked amazing, right? So you can set up context like this. Uh, sometimes, if I want a little boost, this actually works. You can knock it, you can laugh at it, but like, don't don't knock it and laugh at it until you try it. If you want a boost, sometimes you can rearrange the furniture in one of the rooms in in your home, um, and then like mark off space. Like I will only do this in this place. So I had a rule at one point, and this, this lasted longer than a month. This was good for like a while. I think this was good the whole time I lived there. I think this was good for four or five months. I had like an uncomfortable desk and chair that I would sit in and work at this place. It's just a coincidence. I never upgraded. I didn't do that on purpose, but that's what it was. And there's this like big fluffy lounge chair that we had that was like really, really nice to sit in. And I just set a rule that the minute that I noticed that I was not working, I only had one computer at this time. Uh, the minute that I noticed I was not working, I had to go sit in a big, fluffy, comfortable chair. So I had to go sit in a more comfortable chair when I realized I wasn't working. Well, I mean, that's not that much of a hard sell, right? Like, you know, like, cool, I get to sit in a more big, fluffy, comfortable chair. So if I'm going to go play like Counter-Strike or something, go, go shoot some people in the, the first-person shooter video game, then uh, I just got to sit in a nice chair. That's okay, right? Um, there's like big armrests on it, like work really well. Um, but whenever I was like, oh, man, I'm like surfing the net. It's okay, I'm allowed to continue if I go sit in the big fluffy chair. But do I really want to keep surfing the net? And then I would stop, or I would go sit in the big fluffy chair. And whenever I was sitting in the big fluffy chair, I could not delude myself that I was working. 
I'm in a big fluffy chair. I'm not working. So I like it was roughly, it wasn't I would drift, but but it was roughly that whenever like 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 however many hours I was at the desk were the hours that I was actually working. So like I would read books, including very good books, in the big fluffy chair, including, you know, I'd read articles online in the big fluffy chair. I wouldn't read them at my desk. And like hours that I sat at that desk were a rough proxy for how much I worked, but I became very aware of whether I was really on task and working or not. It was these contexts. And I would contend the work computer played computer, the cafe that's dedicated just like my thinking cafe, the big fluffy chair versus the uncomfortable desk. I, I, I'm not advocating the uncomfortable part, by the way, it's just kind of a coincidence. Um, like it's, it's the same kind of concept. And you know, like there's a lot of people that work, uh, that work independently. They could work wherever. They get membership to co-working spaces just so they have like a place. It's like, okay, it's a work context. I just go in there and I'm working. Same thing, right? Now, I think there's like a little tiny skill to be able to spot this, to navigate this, to do this. I think it's a great skill for managers, executives, and leaders to have because you can think about having different decorum in a place, right? So if you walk into a room with beanbag chairs on it and lots of whiteboards, it's just a kind of a very different thing than if you walk in a very formal boardroom. So I see some very successful organizations having different types of decor, right? I think that's very savvy. People don't like to do that. They tend to have like uniform design throughout their places, but I, I see some of the savviest people will have like incredibly informal spaces and formal spaces in the same place for whatever context you want. I think it's really nice to design into places and it's like a skill that you can build up both the spotting of this and how to shape this both for yourself and for other people. Related to that are habits and rituals, or I don't know, scare quote habits and scare quote rituals. I there's no great words for this, but like, like the best predictor of what you're going to do first thing when you wake up is like whatever you did yesterday first thing when you wake up. No, I'm not kidding. Like first thing you do is you check your email on your phone. Probably the first thing you'll do today is check your email on your phone. I know whatever, like Monday's different than the weekend or whatever, but like like whatever you're doing, it's, it's like very predictive that you're going to do more of that. It's actually like the best, the best way to predict any given activity um, of like regular life activities is like, what did the person do recently? Right. And this just seems to be a, a thing with humans. Right. So you want to recognize that this is the case and the work computer play computer thing, the work computer play computer thing, um, you know, it's kind of like, okay, when I sit down in this space with this computer, then like the first thing I do is I open my project plan or I open my light spreadsheet to look at my habits or I open up Notion or Realm Research or whatever and then I do it versus the first thing I do is I open up Twitter or Facebook or my email, right? So you can you can kind of navigate and, and, and shape that a little bit. We all know that that works, um, but I think some things are more likely to stick than others, right? So like turning off notifications on your phone sticks, right? Like so turning off Twitter, Facebook notifications on your phone, like that sticks because they're off. But, and Graham talked about this a little bit in his essay, like the blended contexts thing, like th those things tend to wear off when you try to like mentally enforce your own boundaries around them. I, I find those things tend to wear off. I still think they're worth doing first off because you get the performance edges when it, but ideally you take some of that forwards with you. You get better at spotting it and shaping it going forwards, right? So there's a lot of things like this, stacking things at certain times of the day. Like whenever I leave the office, I hit the gym, works right? Or like I go on a run to the office. Like that's what I do. I work out on the way to the office. Like the, these types of things work. So you can kind of stack the context, ritual, whatever mix together. If you, if you ever know anybody that had like a pull-up bar 
front of their bedroom or something. They do pull-ups before they walk in the room. It's like, same thing. Like, what do you do when you walk through that room? Pull-ups. You don't do pull-ups whenever. You just do it every time you walk through that door. If you establish it. You know, people, like, laugh at these things. Oh, look at that person there. Like, whatever. But, like, they got a much stronger upper body than you and they get more work done. So, and probably happier. So, maybe give it a try. That's the big one. But a few other things that are, are a little more abstract and then might not apply to you. Right, so, so, so now I'm about to say some points, by the way, that, that all of these really might not apply to you. And like the context thing, I think, is just aces. It just works. It's just true. Uh, it's not worth buying a new computer just to generate that for most people. But I, I think it's, it's pretty solid. The next ones might not be true. And this is where you got to be careful when you get advice, right? Because if it's like, there's like an order of operations in life where like, you don't make crazy, super risky, speculative, and not even that much upside investments if like, you can't pay your bills. You just don't do that. It's, it's gambling. Don't do it, right? But you know, if you've got you know, quite good savings across the board, good income, you've got a good stable portfolio, you take a few percent of your net worth, you put it in a really risky stuff, can work. So if you can't pay your rent next week, you don't start speculating and trying to whatever crazy stuff. If you got a pretty good net worth built up, it's all pretty stable. You like your investment thesis, maybe maybe add a little little small percentage in the super high risk stuff, right? So you gotta be careful these types of advice. But second point, and again, I think this is wrong for a lot of people, but it's right for you. It's really right. Is the segmentation of different types of work or different types of information, right? So I got a new phone. And I'm now strongly debating. I've tried to do this before, and it, and it didn't quite work for me because I don't think I thought it through enough the first time I tried it. Um, I don't think I thought it through enough. Um, but a lot of the most successful people I know um, carry multiple phones, two, sometimes three. Um, obviously, a lot of people that get a company-issued phone right, do this because they have a personal phone and their company phone. But I know a lot of people that don't need to do that, that still segment their phones into like low-priority and high-priority stuff. And then the high-priority stuff is just like not much of and it's really valuable. So they might have like just their family and like a couple close friends and maybe like one person at their company that if they need to get in touch and they like, like very respectful and it's always stuff you want to see, right? So there's advantages in, in doing things like that, right? So again, similar to work computer, play computer, you can have a phone that one of them has all the fun, crazy apps on and the other one is just like very functional. And utilitarian, that's one type of segmentation. But I was, I was thinking about this, and I'm going to do the setup two phone thing, and I really think it through this time uh, carefully. Is like I just got a message the other day from like a plumber that I used a couple couple years ago. Like, hey, you need plumbing again this year? I'm like, dude, I don't live in the same city anymore, <laughs> right? And like, as small as that is, it it has some measure of friction. It happens in time. I look at it, my mind processes it, and then I click clear. WhatsApp message, and that's not good. So like, eh, I'm thinking of setting up a second phone that'll have like a few close friends, like really not many, and like family, and then I can like just pick that up because like, how long am I gonna spend messing around on there? Um, you know, if I'm having a conversation with with, you know, uh, just like one close friend sent, sent me a, you know, like a nice message or whatever. You can even tell those people if there's if there's not that many of them, like, hey, please don't send me links or gifts or funny stuff on here. Here's like a. I'll get to it when I get to it number, right? So I'm going to set that up. And, and I've, I've also set up, um, so I use the, the uh, we, we use at Ultra Work and we use the company Front. 
Um, it's like a shared inbox email thing. Um, if you have a, a, a really, really tiny team and you don't have a lot of um, inbound email coming in, it's like totally not worth it. Uh, and if you're in a really big company, you probably don't have much say over what the email system is. Even if you did have say over, you're probably stuck with whatever you already have. But if you're like a small and growing team with a volume of columns, like Front's cool. Um, let's have just like open inboxes that anybody can like snag stuff out of. So it like skips the need to have like a dedicated customer support system. It's just like you have your email address, but there's also these like things that get like assigned to people. And you can like all kinds of like rules and automations and stuff. It's like, it's kind of hard to describe why it's good, but it's really good. Um, and I went into front and I really built out carefully certain like filters, tags, and rules. There's like automations built into it of like, okay, here's receipts, here's newsletters that I want to be paying attention to. Here's like different types of communications that I don't need to look at, but I want to keep getting. And those just don't show up in my inbox at all. They show up in a tag. And I can just look at those tags when I want to look at those and when I want to engage with those. So here's all the receipts. Like, yes, I want them, but um, I don't have to look at them. Um, speaking of which, by the way, we also use Bench for bookkeeping. So like, I don't even have to reconcile any of the receipts. Nice, nice little service they have. But yeah, making it so you segment things so that you can like know what context you're going into like means you don't get pulled into another one, right? And yeah, I think this can be, I think this can be quite valuable. Um, one thing, I, one area that I see this underdone in is, um, is in channels on chat applications like Slack. We use Twist. Um, at Ultra Rick, it's like a Slack competitor. It's like pretty good. Um, Discord, some people use. I, I actually bet it's getting some more company traction because like they, they do a really nice job. Microsoft Teams, whatever. Um, I feel like people aren't liberal enough about starting new channels. So a lot of channels are just like a blur of stuff. Um, and then closing new channels. That's what Twist makes nice. Like in Twist, there's like a, the reason Kai uh, set this up was uh, Twist has a concept of like a channel and then like a thread in a channel. So all the channels are threaded and we open threads very liberally and then close them. So we open like a thread for a project and we close it. So I can just look at like, okay, um, I think we just did a Google Fit integration and like there's like a thread just about that. So it's not just like a general dev thread or a general new product development thread or whatever. Um, it's just that thread in the, uh, why don't I take a look at this instead of speculating threads? Yeah. What is that in? Ah, so actually Lee, uh, yeah, Lee rebuilt this actually. We used to have a dev thread, but actually Lee separated out into just by product. So we have a clockwork thread. We have a, the work gym thread. We have a headquarters thread. And then he segmented the channels again with clockwork and clockwork ops. So clockwork is general materials, new features and whatever. And the operational side of things, which operates very differently, has its own channel. Then within those, like in the clockwork channel right now, we have threads, clockwork Ramadan, strict mode. Uh, we have that inflammation uh, primer that we sent out, Fitbit weight sync, data, data model migration, migrating a data model. And, yeah great. <laughs> People are getting stuff done. Um, so channels and threads. And you see, because like that's, Lee just runs that. That's his ship. Uh, and uh, he's a, he's a heck of an admiral. So like he's on that and he can operate in those threads and you can go and get exactly what you need. Right. So I think thinking about how to segment the different types of information in your life so that you get your mind around one thing, because if we just had one big clockwork channel that was unthreaded, which a lot of people have for chat, right? 
then they'd be like, oh, this person had a little problem. Hey, can we do this thing? Um, hey, wouldn't it be cool? Like we can, we, if you're in even like a semi-major city, we can get you handled on clockwork. But like sometimes like, like we have customers go camping or whatever, we can't, we can't do anything for them. It's like, like we've been thinking about if we can solve that. Like even if, even if we take a little bit of a hit on cash and we, we eat that, like could we, like could we, could we go like contract somebody to go pick up a meal and deliver it um, or something, uh, you know, through some, some like freelancer site or something to uh, we pay like 20 bucks to get it delivered. Like we'd, we'd lose our shirts if it happened a lot. But if it was just camping, that'd be like really cool if we could get like a batch delivery of like four meals. It's like we're, we're like into doing stuff like that. So we, we do our best. Um, but imagine if there's like, okay, new feature idea, feature under development, little tiny problem, exploratory idea, committed idea, all in one place. Well, it'd be a mess and your mind would be being pulled in all different directions. So that's something I'm trying to do with my tech. Uh, some of this new stuff that I got is I'm going to get on two phones set up. I'm going to carefully think through what I do on each one um, and how I process things. And uh, I, I think that's worth thinking about in a lot of things. And I think when you get new technology, um, new hardware or, or, or a variety of other contexts, whenever you move is a great opportunity to do this as well. Um, obviously, if you change jobs, it's a great opportunity to do this. Uh, it, it's really worth investigating, like, what are the channels of information I got? Um, now, before we go on, the caveat is I think some young people really shouldn't do this. I, I feel like this is an optimization to do when you're over some threshold of information you can process. So I see some people that just don't have much going on. And they're a little bit kind of very orderly and a little bit conservative uh, in a like like a risk-taking sense. And so they're like, okay, let me perfectly separate out this information. Let me build a place for all my receipts to show up and like whatever, they get like seven receipts for the services they pay for online a month. It's like not that big of a deal, right? They need like a higher volume of action. So I see some people kind of build ops and processes and workflows when they don't need them, when there's a tiny amount, and they really should just be doing stuff. And even if it's messy, it's okay. So just bear in mind if you're that type of person, right, that, that likes to optimize things, but maybe you just need more stuff happening. You know, maybe you don't need like a system for, you know, which, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, which uh, meetup groups you're going to attend one of their events. If you like haven't been to one at all in the last month, maybe you just like YOLO it and sign up for three or something, you know, and figure it out, right? I like to put process and, and systems on things after they're already running and producing value. I almost never, um, never say never. There's some things that you do, but I rarely um, systematize something that, uh, that, that hasn't done anything of value yet. I'll just kind of improvise on it until something happens. Um, there's a bunch of notable exceptions to that. But, uh, but, but just that's the caveat to the segmenting, right? This is really great when you're kind of about at your attentional limit. And, you know, if you're an executive, if you're a CEO, you know, if you're doing a good job, you'll wind up at your attentional limit. Like it just will, you'll get to your attentional limit very quickly um, because there's infinite things you could do, right? And nature abhors a vacuum, just fills up, right? So for me, being able to be like, okay, I don't want to see these things at these times, right? And like go out of my way to be like, hey, here's how to tell me about little admin stuff and little problems. And here's how to tell me about very big problems and really cool things um, is important, right? So I, I go out of my way to emphasize the team. People are like, oh, Sebastian's so busy, right? Like I'm like, well, it's true, but like, please send me cool stuff. Like I really like cool stuff. Like send me cool things, like get on my case about cool things. And then like little tiny things like, yeah, just make your call and just roll. Big, big, urgent problems, let me know. But there aren't that many of them. We do a good job, right? So like I want it segmented so that like little tiny stuff, like I, I don't know, just throw it somewhere. And then the next time we have like a few free minutes, 
um, or we just do like a roundup of every stupid little thing. Let's talk about all of that then. Let's not let it stop us from like a lot of creativity, a lot of learning, doing a great job, and like really having fun and celebrating. Like feel free to have fun and celebrate if it's not, you know, if it's not getting in the way of doing good work. Feel free to add swagger and celebration and like post good things that are happening basically wherever you want. Feel free to spread that around as much as you want, but let's contain little tiny details to the right place. Then I'll come in out with a mindset of like, okay, I'm going to look at this, I'm going to evaluate this, I'm going to make a call on it or an advice or explore it or analyze it or whatever. I'm happy to just see like random nice things all over the place, but with like little tiny things. And sometimes I do have to make the call on them. I want to see those all bang, bang, bang in a row at a time when I'm mentally ready for that. Not like I'm kind of mulling over something that could be big and really cool. And I see a little tiny thing. I don't think this applies if you don't have that much stuff going on. If you're at your attentional limit, I think it's great. I think it's great to be like, hey, this is dedicated research time. This is dedicated developing people time. Um, Xavier and I started something. This is something Kai and I used to do back in the day. And Xavier and I um, just just did our first one. I said, Xavier and I always have operational stuff to talk about. He's, he's doing a pretty good job. Not a great job. He's doing a pretty good job with like what should be like three people's jobs. So he's doing all right. <laughs> like Sometimes it feels like he's hanging on the edge of a cliff, but like hasn't fallen yet. He's kind of got like Sylvester Stallone holding on the cliff kind of vibe going on. But uh, so every time we talk, there's like a mix of cool stuff and just like details, details, details. And they're all like stuff we have to go over. But like Xavier and I used to like not like hang out, hang out, but we'd like hang out a little bit. And it was like really cool. Um, Pre-COVID, like a lot of us would just like go on workouts together or whatever. We'd like hit the gym, uh, go for a swim together. Luca's like a champion level swimmer. So so he would like give swimming lessons to everyone on the team that wanted one. It was like no pressure. You didn't have to do it if you didn't want to. But he's like a great, great swimmer. It's really a joy to learn from him about the biomechanics and the swimming. But like X and I used to like have a good time, um, a fair amount of time, and now it's COVID, so we're not in the same place, and just a ton of operational details. So I'm like, all right, Xavier, we need to have like a weekly non-tactical meeting where we just hang out. We can talk about anything except for little tiny things going on. We can have other meetings to talk about those. But like we need to have like our hour. We get together, we talk about philosophy, we talk about personal development, we talk about skills, we talk about emerging technology, we talk about cool things, we can talk about you know, our customers or, or, or technology in the abstract, but not like, oh, this little detail, this little thing is giving us a bug or this, you know, whatever, right? Even opportunities, unless it's like a big, big, big thing that's worth like canceling a hangout for, let's just hang out. So we put a non-tactical meeting on the calendar for Mondays uh, and uh, started doing that. And it's nice. Like, like he was like, oh yeah, hey, I signed up for cryonics. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like we wouldn't have talked about that because there's a lot of stuff going on. So like creating a space for like non-tactical meetings. I, I, I'm going to be increasingly doing more of these. I think they're extremely high value. Non-TAC. That's what I put on the calendar. Non-TAC. Xavier, Sebastian, like we're not talking about details. Like we're hanging out. Um, that doesn't mean we're like, just like hang out like idiots. Like we'll talk about really cool stuff and, and like really analyze and have, you know, make it really mind expanding. But I think doing that and creating that segmentation can be valuable once you're at your attentional limit. If you don't have much stuff going on, go do some stuff, get things a little crazier, then tighten them up. But if you're at your attentional limit, that can be useful. I touched on this a moment ago, but I think major resets are valuable. But again, all advice is autobiographical. I like to upgrade all my stuff at the same time. There's a strong counter argument against it, right? The strong counter argument is it's better to be incrementally upgrading all the time. Then you can kind of see how things fit and compare and contrast. I like to wipe the slate clean and restart from time to time. I like to say, okay, right? Because if I upgrade my phone, and not my computer, my computer will largely hold the same role in my life and my phone will largely hold the same role. But when I have both of them that have clean installs and no apps on them, I'm like, okay, 
do I want to stop doing email on my computer and only do it on my phone? I will consider things like that, right? So I think these major resets um, can be really valuable in, in that regard, is that you can kind of think through what are the jobs and functions between things, right? Um, right now, some things, right? Like Uber, calling a car, that's a phone thing. It's just kind of how it is, right? Um, but other things, um, I always used to book Airbnbs on my computer. I don't know why, I just did. That's what I did, did in the browser, right? Sometime not that long ago, really quite recently, um, I discovered that Airbnb has a really quite a nice app. And I'm like, oh, this is a delightful thing to do when I'm standing in line and I know I have some travel coming up, right? So Airbnb moved over from the computer to the phone. But Airbnb is not something you book very often. So do you want to read books on your computer? Do you want to read books on your phone? You can think through things like, hey, why do I read articles on the internet ever? Maybe I should have like a process where I only save the articles to a service like Pocket or Instapaper. These save the articles in your own little space and then read them on my phone later. Maybe I have a phone, I have two of them, right? Maybe I have a phone just for consumption and like I'm not allowed to read articles in real time, but I can like get up from my computer. Maybe I'll go work in my kitchen. The apartment complex I'm in has this kind of like lounge clubhouse area. Maybe I go up there when I want to read. And it's like, it's a cool spot. It's like chilled out, there's a pool table, it's like nice, whatever. Um, maybe I go up there and that's when I read. Maybe I don't read. Maybe I don't read in my room. I don't like working in my room. I like working in the office, but uh, no office, COVID, right? Um, actually, there was a little tiny office that was open. We had that, but they closed down because they're building a bigger, nicer office. So that'll open back up and I'll have an office again, which would be great. But thinking through major resets can allow you to look at, okay, this, this builds on segmenting of stuff and it builds on contexts can make you think through, okay, like, like what do I do on my phone and why do I do it that way? Right. Um, for years, long after everyone else had a phone, I didn't have a phone at all. I refused to have a phone. I refused to have a phone number for like years. I like gave up a few years ago. It's like, all right, this is getting stupid. Um, but I had no phone for years. And you'd be like, oh, you couldn't get anything done. I got a lot of things done. And I just tell people, hey, sorry, I don't have a phone. Right? Like, hey, let me know. I can, I can use, well, here's like my Google Voice number. It'll leave me a voicemail, right? And I can call you back. I only like schedule times of calls. You can't spontaneously call me. People used to spontaneously call people a lot more. Now I feel like the world's much more calendared. At least, I don't know. None of my friends and I call each other. Like, we always calendar it. I don't know. That changed, though. People used to just like call each other. I don't know. It's bizarre. Like, I don't know how you get anything done. But I don't know, maybe there's less stuff to do back then. But, uh, yeah, so I didn't have a phone for years. People are like, hey, what's your number? I'll give you a call. I'm like, you can't. Schedule it. It'll show up on Skype. Or I can like, give you a call. I can use Skype out to call you. You can't call me, <laughs> right? So I had that for years. It was great. I got a ton of stuff done. And people be like, oh, that's impossible. You totally couldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like doing a lot more stuff than them, including with some like mainstream institutions, including with some like quite busy and important people that like, oh, they'd be feel so disrespected. Like they're not. I'm like, I just don't have a phone. I get a lot more done. Here's a list of stuff I'm working on. It's a long list. I can't take calls. I'm happy to schedule you a call whenever. And you know, if I'm on a project and I'm committed to it, I can like commit to checking my email a lot of times and always getting back to you if it's daytime within a few hours and if it's not within a day or whatever, but no phone. So like that seems impossible, right? To most people, but it's really not. People will, if you're pretty good at what you do and you're a good person, people will put up with it if they need to put up with it. It might be a little less convenient for them. But like if you said, hey, 
I'm now no longer using any chat messages or text messages at all. You just can't message me. Just can't do it. Here's my email. Here's my responsiveness on email. Here's how I work with email. Here's a voicemail. It won't ring, but here's a Google voice number. You can always leave me a, a voicemail. You could do that. Um, people would accept it. It might not be worth the trade-off, but you can consider it. And I like thinking through these things and I'll only think through these things myself. Other people are different during a major reset because I'm now going to like take out a piece of paper. I'm going to write down everything that's going on in my life and the functions. Okay. So you got the, you got the fitness function. I got the nutrition function, clockwork nutrition, by the way, I do my two yoga classes a week and so on and so forth. Right. Okay. I got my personal finances. Okay. I got the various corporate stuff at the company. Okay. I got the various team stuff. I got recruiting. I got the, the, the growth stuff. I got product development. I got my own types of learning and stuff. Huh? I do some reading. I do some watching videos. I do some reading books. Do I like that mix? How should I change that? Which device should I do that on? So for me, that becomes like an evaluate everything. So I do that during a clean re reset. There's ways to get smaller ones. Like these other things we've mentioned, there's smaller versions of all of these things. Um, a lot of very successful people I know, you know, you ever hear about like, uh, uh, you know, very wealthy people are like always on vacation. They're on like vacation every month or two. So I, I remember when I was younger, I would hear that and I'd be like, oh, those rich people, it's so self-indulgent, whatever. And I was like, Mr. Never take a vacation, work 363 days a year, take two days off or something for years. And eventually I came to realize it's not so good. Um, a lot of most effective people I know very liberally travel a little bit. I know COVID's going on. It's weird right now, but it's a general point. Sometimes that's like a pure vacation, a decompress, whatever. Sometimes they call it like a retreat. That sounds a little more like working, but it's like a certain context around it. Sometimes that's just like doing business travel to take a short meeting and then spending three days in the city to call it a business trip, but it's really quite something like a vacation. Because when you're about to go on a vacation, what do you do? You close all the little tiny stuff that you can close out you put off starting immediately the next stuff and then you like think, right? So that kind of works as a reset, right? Like you get your house clean, you get your important emails answered, you get any projects that are like 95% done shipped before you go on vacation, right? So you can actually build those in. Almost all of my best inventing phases come right before, during, or after travel. I, I was like studying my records recently. It's totally true. And that's kind of like a reset. It's not like a major reset of like all your tech or you know, reevaluating or auditing things, but it's good. Um, also, something that I see successful people do that I don't do, but, uh, but, but it looks good and I intend to start doing this, is they go, they audit all of their own online profiles. What's my LinkedIn say? What's my Twitter say? If you're on YouTube, what's that say? If you're on Instagram, what's that say? Whatever. Everything about it in one go, and then they can think through, okay, how do I want to describe myself in all these places, but then how do I want to use these, these different things to connect with people, right? Because if you have a friend of yours that's on both Instagram and Twitter, and you're on Instagram and Twitter, is it like better to message them on Instagram or is it better to message them on Twitter? These have different contexts, right? So you can kind of think through these in macro as like a reset of the whole thing. Um, same thing with personal finance, I'll tend to look at all bank, credit card, spend, recurring spend, variable spend, whatever. I tend to look at that all at the same time, usually about once a year, sometimes twice if there's a reason to, sometimes it goes a couple of years before I really look at it. And I kind of optimize it all together. Doesn't apply to everybody, right? Some people are better with Kaizen, changing a little tiny piece at a time, upgrading. Some people don't like the drastic switches. Some people overthink, they don't move fast when they're on the switches. I tend to like kind of overview everything pretty deeply, but then I go real fast in the build out. Um, then I tweak it a little bit and then I, you know, fully go. Uh, but there you go. 
Um, so it doesn't apply to everybody, but I, I think getting a major reset where you audit everything in an area of your life at the same time. I'll say one more thing. This works better, in my opinion, with something you've already got some skill on, you've already got your mind around, right? So if you knew nothing about fitness and athletics, I, I actually don't think it's right to like audit the entire, just like get moving. Yeah, just try it out. Like go, go shoot hoops. Just go to the local gym. I know it's COVID, whatever, but go to the local gym, shoot some hoops, try to go swimming a couple times, lift some weights, just try a bunch of stuff, right? Maybe learn a little bit about some different biomechanics and whatever. But, you know, um, if you're a pretty disciplined athlete, um, I think it can be worth looking at the entire system of what do you do for recovery? What do you do for gear? You know, uh, you know, what do you do for your nutrition? What do you do for medicine? What do you do for prevention? What do you do for recovery? How's your sleep? I think it'd be look worthwhile to look at all of those, carve out enough time to do it. This is fun to do though, or at least it is for me. So I think those getting those major resets can kind of look at kind of globally optimizing a system as well as which, like what piece do I want to have you know, be, be my thing here. Right. So like, how do I want to have this community, this conversation more in like, you know, direct messages on Twitter, or do I want to move this over to a, a chat app, like a WhatsApp or a signal, right? Cause you go either way. Right. But you can kind of like redo that. And then if there's like one person messaging on there, Hey, I'm not checking my Twitter DMS anymore. You have WhatsApp, you have signal to connect on there. Right. So you can kind of look at it globally maybe reduce the number of places you need to look at, get in the right context and so on. And finally, um, a great opportunity with things like this, I think is just to, to reduce friction a lot. So I'm a big friction reducer, uh, reducer, friction reducer. It doesn't quite sound right, but it's true. Um, I'll give you a dumb one first. One of, one of my highest ROI purchases this year is a really nice looking one gallon jug. It's like a one gallon jug that looks nice like a clear plastic with like a blue plastic handle on it. It'd be better if it wasn't plastic, but whatever. And the reason that it was a really good purchase is because there's really good drinking water um, where I'm at in Charleston. But the particular faucet I have in my house is just a little bit slow. And it's just barely slow enough that I don't want to refill my water bottle. I know that sounds really stupid, but like I was like, so once the once we lost the, the office, once they closed down, now I'm drinking water at home instead of the office. Didn't realize this. The faucet's quite slow. Not much I can do about that. Um, so I was just like not drinking enough water. And that's like funny because I was like Mr. Hydration. I was like always the guy telling everybody else to drink more water and drink a lot of water and whatever. But I, I just like didn't want to get up and stand at this slow sink for a while. Get a one gallon jug. Nice looking jug. It's not like a milk jug. It looks nice. Okay, I'll pay another dollar. I'll pay another dollar for this jug. And I just go put that under the sink, turn it on. It's good quality tap water, tastes fine, whatever, it's clean, right? And then I go do other stuff. Put some laundry on, you know, go clean something up, go tidy up, go do whatever. Come back in a while and the thing is full. Boom, I'm now drinking enough water. I got water next to me all the time. Um, I think this is really useful to do in the context of when you're doing a reset or setting up new hardware, doing something like a work computer, play computer setup. Because um, one of the things I really think about around then is like how exactly are my power cords set up? This will seem really indulgent. And hey, if you're short on cash, like I respect that. All of us, almost all of us have been there at some point. But almost all the most successful people I know buy a ton of computer chargers, right? So. Probably the ideal, not the most frugal option, but the ideal if you've got a lot of leverage and, and you want to just 
get a little more time, a little less friction. Let's say you work in your home, in your office, and sometimes you work in a cafe. Three power cords. Always have one power cord in your bag. You have one just sitting there plugged in, in your home, and you have one sitting there plugged in your office all the time. I think this is really, really valuable. You'll never forget a computer cord um, in these cases. Um, but even if you're pretty disciplined about your computer cord, which I am, um, it's hard to describe the value of having slightly less friction. It's worth almost nothing. But if you have 10 or 20 things like that in your life, it's worth a lot to clear up all of them. I, I know this doesn't seem to make sense, but like little tiny things. I got the Apple Watch, testing it out. Um, partially I think it's cool. Partially it's like, yeah, we're like developing tech. I need to be on all the stuff. And I went to, I don't know, I had to type a password in on my computer for something. And I was about to type it and the Apple Watch went ding. Like just press this button to unlock instead of typing it. I did. I'm like, oh, that's cool. What's the difference that's worth? Like a second or two? This seems like it's worth nothing. It, it, it is worth nothing. But when you can get the friction sufficiently down, um, it's hard to describe, but it's much better. Um, like what are some examples of that, right? Like never, ever, ever running out of soap and various other toiletries. There's a lot of ways to achieve that. You could just buy a lot of it. You just buy a lot of it, you put a recurring order on Amazon, you could have a little system for checking once a month, whatever, there's a bunch of ways to do it. But never ever having that happen, where it's like, oh no, I'm getting low on soap. That's just generating a very slight feeling of friction, of you know, a little anxious moment, oh, something else I gotta deal with, something else I gotta think about, right? So just never getting there is worth something, right? But this is a big part of like, I'm you know, selling our thing, but this is a big part of why Clockwork Nutrition is good. You don't have to think about anything about food and we'll get it perfect for you clockworknutrition.com, go get it. But okay, sales pitch over. Um, it really is good though, but sales pitch over. Um, I go way out of my way on the friction. The biggest thing that's been my friction killer um, that, that has been like surprisingly way more valuable than you think is I bought two, um, like split a power outlet into multiple USB power outlet things. And then I've got cords plugged into them that just hang down. And it makes it really, really easy to plug my phones, devices, all kinds of stuff in. Um, but the real value there, it seems really small. It is really small, right? I don't have to take cords out and whatever. But like these things kind of add up, right? Because like if you like run out of shampoo and like your hair is like really gross one day, like yeah, it's like not that big of a deal, but it's like a worse day, right? You know, likewise, most of the time you need to get a cord out and plug it into, you know, your computer and then plug it into phone to the cord and whatever, right? There are some days you will come home dead tired. And if you have the cords just hanging there, which I do. So there's like a, the, the way these things work is it's like, I don't know what the technical term for it is, but there's like a plugs into the wall. And then there's like different USB cords can be plugged into that splitter maybe. And uh, so I just have like a bunch of cords hanging and they're like different shapes and sizes. So mostly USB-C, but a couple of the old ones too. Um, I never don't plug my phone in. And so I never have, I never wake up with my phone at 16% the next day and I'm like, oh shoot, I need to go get into an Uber and my phone is maybe gonna die pretty soon, right? So I don't know how often this helps me, 
once a month. Like I, I don't know how often I would screw this up if I didn't have the frictionless plug the phone in, right? Now, for whatever freaking reason, these like computer cords and splitters and things like cost way more money than they should. So like me, like I'm actually like weirdly trying to be like less frugal. On a company level, we are super frugal. On the personal level, I'm trying to be like less so. I, I like 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 I'm like I still will like like be about to take a worse flight because it saves ten dollars. That's my instinct, and I'm like that's wrong. Stop doing that, right? Like like if getting to the airport at three p.m. is better than getting there at one p.m. and the three p.m. flight is ten dollars more, like buy it. Like it's, it, it, it doesn't matter at all to me now, but it's just my instinct. Right. And like, that is good. And I respect that. And if you're young, you haven't built up some, some cash or if you're in a tough spot or if you're really saving for something, then by all means, max frugal. I've been ridiculous frugal. I used to like hike from airports into the city. Cause like usually the bus or the train from the airport in the city is like the most expensive. And I'm like, screw that. I'm going to like hike. I will do like a long hike into the city to save $30. That's what I used to do. Right. But I'm trying to stop doing that. Um, and computer cords are like oh, these things. But when you're buying a new computer, a new phone, and all these things, it's like, oh yeah, wait a second. The cord does not cost that much. The cord does not cost that much, right? And if my phone is charged all the time, you could see that, right? Of like, if you're gonna forget to charge your phone and get degraded functionality where you don't really wanna put music on because you might need to call an Uber or whatever, twice a month, let's say, once a month, so it's once a month. Well, you're getting like 3% less utilization of your phone, one thirtieth, right? And so like, all right, this cord should cost a dollar, but whatever, it costs what it costs, get the cord. So when you're buying all the stuff, it's like, ah, screw it, just add a bunch of cords. Um, like there's these new, I haven't set these up yet, but I've got the MagSafe Duo charger. So I can just like drop the iPhone on it. It's like two, two of them. And I bought a, a couple of these charge pads so I can throw one in my backpack. It might turn out not to need it, but I can charge the iPhone on that and I can charge the uh, Apple Watch on that. And uh, you know, otherwise just streamlining it to have a sufficient amount of charges around so there's like low friction. And I've got like cords in different places around the room. So I don't even have to like walk three feet to plug stuff in. I got one by my desk. I got one close enough to my bed, but not um, not so close that it's, that it's whatever. Um, so I think lower friction. Um, I think lower friction is worth incredibly a lot. Um, there's a lot of optimizations around this around travel. So if and when travel picks up again, it's worth researching. Like the um, there's the the known traveler programs in the United States. So global entry for the international and uh, I forget what the domestic one's called. Global entry gets you the domestic one as well. So you like have to do like an interview with like a security officer from Homeland Security, but it like saves you an hour or two. You know, it saves you an hour or two sometimes when you're when you're going through customs lines um, and immigration when you're leaving or entering the states. Um, and similarly, the domestic U.S. one, which I forget the name of, um, you know, lets you use the fast line. And it's like, oh, who cares the fast line? Why am I paying like fifty dollars for this thing to save myself ten or twenty minutes? Well, it's not just ten or twenty minutes. It's like a crummy tw ten or twenty minutes. Like I can't think of very many things that are like less ordinary life unenjoyable as like standing in line with your shoes off in the bin, you know, waiting to go through the, the metal detector or whatever at the airport. But more importantly than that, it's like getting in the habit of like, okay, if you fly four times a year, it saves you 20 minutes. All right. You just bought an hour and 20 minutes of unpleasant time back 
for 50 bucks. If you find more than that, it becomes rapidly a no-brainer, right? So I think looking to invest a little bit of time in the setup and a little bit of money into reducing friction a lot is really good. Extension cords, by the way, are like actually cheaper than these little tiny USB cords. Um, extension cords are a great investment. If your power outlets aren't exactly where you want, extension cords and like some electrical tape, um, you can like get your power chargers exactly where you want, like floating right next to your desk, but not on the desk and whatever, um, can be quite nice. So you can get some really cool setups there. Extension cords have an amazing ROI on them. I know that when Kai and I used to travel together, um, I remember this, this shocked me because he's, he's a pretty frugal guy too, but like we would check into an Airbnb that we're gonna stay for like a month. Um, and he would check out what they have. And if they like didn't have the stuff he wanted to cook the way he likes, he would go buy a nice frying pan and a nice knife, maybe a cutting board. I'm like, man, like whatever. He's like, well, like I figure whatever. If I pay $100 or $150 for those, that's like $5 a day to have the stuff I want to cook with. I'm more likely to cook. I'm less likely to eat out. And I'm more likely to cook healthy stuff. And it's like a nice experience. And like, eh, now everybody else gets that stuff when they go stay at their Airbnb. So it's not like we're throwing it away at the end of it. They like get to have a frying pan, knife, cutting board, whatever they need. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You kind of just like divide it by the number of days you're staying there. Obviously, if we were staying in a place for two nights, we would do that. But just thinking about like this like friction reduction mentality, right? Getting stuff that doesn't break, getting redundancies on stuff, making sure that your stuff's always charged and things like that. So that's something else that I do during these kind of rebuilds. So that's some of the theory behind this. Feel free the next time you're getting a new computer to uh, check this out and give this some thought. Um, yeah, I'm looking for four to superpowers over about a month before, uh, Real life sneaks back in somehow and we get regression of the mean. So maybe even a little improvement onwards after that. And uh, thank you for listening, as always. Maybe uh, maybe bookmark this one or flag this one next time you get a computer uh, to come back and check out. Because I think there's some things both about things you can do, but also how you mentally relate to it. Um, and getting skill development and you know awareness uh, development out of it um, in addition to the actual performance, but just getting better at recognizing these things and kind of setting up and designing, I think is very powerful. So have a listen. And uh, yeah, thanks for everybody. And thanks for everybody putting out the word on Clockwork Nutrition. It's going really, really well. So always appreciate the love and support. Until next time, it's always a pleasure. Thank you and Godspeed.